Hey, let's open our Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, earlier, if you look at uh, verse uh, 8, it says, Finally, my brothers, or brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And really, he talks about right thinking, that, that what we think matters. It does affect us. What we put into our minds, it does affect how we live, and it affects our actions as well. And so he gives us a whole list and saying, listen, think about something that's good. Put something good in there. Not just whatever. We notice the word whatever is repeated a bunch of times, and the, the world's idea is just whatever, but the whatever that Jesus spells out that God's Word spells out is, is things that, that are, are healthy and things that will, that will transform our minds. He says in Colossians, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And so often that's all we focus on, on earthly things. But he says, you know, we gotta, you think about what you think about. And then he talks about how we live there in verse 9. He says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. It's not just thinking. It's just not, well, I think good thoughts all the time, but I never do anything about it. I never do anything good. I never live uh, the way I think, which is kind of an oxymoron or a contradiction, I should say. Don't just think about it. He says, put it into action, and the God of peace will be with you. And that's what I want, the God of peace. Not just peace from God, but the God of peace. Today, I want to look at this concept of contentment, and I want to ask you, before we even look at the verses, are you content? Are you content with what you have, with where you live, with what you drive, with who you are? Are you content? Those are, are, are questions. They're big questions, really. But God's Word has the answers. It always has the answers. God's Word for us. Let's look at verses 10 through 13 today. I rejoice greatly, he says in the Lord, that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. He says, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content Whatever the circumstances, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It strengthens me. This word content, really, it, it means enough. It means sufficient. If you look in the Webster's Dictionary under the word content, what it, what it means, and this is kind of interesting, this, this whole concept, it means something contained. You say, well, those are two different words, but they're really, it's the same word. Content and content. Something contained. And so what, as I was looking at this passage and studying this and just thinking about this word, it, it really is about contentment, and be content is really about something that's inside. 
something that's contained. So it's something that's inside of us, you and me. To be content is what is the content that's inside of us, you see. It's got nothing to do, and you see that in the list of the things he talks about here. It's got really nothing to do with the things outside of us. There's a doctor who, because uh, the truth is, uh, you know, can you really get the stuff inside you? You can't. There's a doctor who, uh, who works with Focus on the Family. He says, at some point in life, we, in life, we must ask ourselves, is contentment created internally or is it the result of how things are going? Is it the result of circumstances around us and, and physical things in life? Paul says, I've learned the secret, and really the secret is to be content through Christ in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. That's where, that's where contentment, true contentment comes from, having Christ in us. Because if it's about what we have, is it ever enough? Do you ever have enough stuff? Do you ever have enough money, enough of the things of this world, enough circumstances happening, enough power, enough prestige, enough of the things that the world has to offer. Solomon, uh, David's son, you know, the great uh, king of Israel, he asked God for wisdom and God gave him wisdom and, and he had some incredible wisdom. But, but even Solomon, he tried all the things of all the world and, and, and some of the things he says are pretty incredible in the book of Ecclesiastes. He says this, all things are wearisome, wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. And Later, he says this, whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This, too, is meaningless. True contentment doesn't come from what the things out there that we can see or the things that we can hear, it's got to be something inside. But it's not just us inside. You don't you know, dig deep and I'm going to find something in there that is going to make me content. No, it's Jesus Christ in us. That's what he said there, right? He said, I can do everything through him, through Christ who gives me strength. That's the true context of this passage here. Look at verse 10. He says, I rejoice greatly where? In the Lord. We've been talking about joy in the book of Philippians and, and where does joy come from? It's not, it's not all the stuff outside of us. It's just like contentment doesn't come from the stuff outside of us. It comes from Jesus Christ within us. J-O-Y. Jesus, others, yourself. Joy in the Lord. I rejoice greatly in the Lord. He says, he says that at last... Look at it there, that you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you had been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. You know, they, they wanted to help Paul. They wanted to help provide for him. As, and, and, you know, he was serving the Lord. He was on a mission. Uh, he was a missionary. He was uh, as well as an apostle and all the other things. But he would go out and, and people would help to support him. He says, you know, I understand. And I'm, I, I find joy in the Lord that, you know, you... You have uh, found this opportunity now before they didn't, weren't able to, but now they did. And he was glad about that, but he wasn't glad for himself. He was glad for them, you see. It wasn't about the fact that he could have more. That's not where 
Paul's joy was, that's not where his contentment was, whether, you know, they gave to his ministry. And if you listen to any TV evangelists or preachers and some on the radio, though our radio station here is, is pretty good about not having this kind of thing, but, but some of them, it's, their contentment isn't going to come until you send them money. But Paul was so far from that. He, he, he rejoiced in the Lord that, that they were having an opportunity, they were being able to serve and do what God had called them to do. But it wasn't a, about him receiving the money. That's what he says in verse 11. I'm not saying this because I am in need, not because he wanted money or needed money. It really irks me, these, the begging ministries is what I call them. Begging churches where you go and, and half the church service is about begging for money. Have you ever been to a church like that, any of you? You kind of know what I'm talking about. I'm not, and I'm not disparaging or thinking or talking, trying to talk bad about different churches, but, but it's not, it's not, you know, it's way out of balance in, in so many cases. Yes, there are valid needs. Every church, every ministry has valid needs. They, ha- they need, to, you know, to pay the bills and turn on the electricity and do what they need to do and, and provide for ministry opportunities. But some, some, I hate to say, some make it seem like God is broke. That it's all about the money. And we're going to take three offerings today because you didn't give enough the first time. We had, you know, we took an offering. The guys took it in the back. They counted it. It wasn't enough, so we're going to take another offering. They took that in the back. They counted it. It's not enough. We're going to take a third offering. They never, they never say that, but I think that, you know, very possible that happens in some cases. It's not all about the money, right? We, we, we need to talk about money sometimes. We have Norman comes and gives messages about, you know, the church and, and, you know, where we stand and stuff like that. And, and we need to know about things like that, right? But that's not our focus. That's not what we focus on. That's not where we certainly find joy or contentment. Think about the uh, Crystal Cathedral. How many of you know what that is? The Crystal Cathedral. I mean, you know, it was all about money. And they built this fantastic thing. And in the end, they, they you know, they lost it all. They had to sell it. Their focus was in the wrong places. Paul was glad that they could help, and in the next section we'll get to next next time, they, you know, he talks about it, and and you know, it, it, the matter of giving and receiving is in the next section, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But but Paul was content already. Before they did anything, before they sent anything, before they helped to support his ministry, Paul was content. And look what he says there. He says, I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I don't know about you, but that's radical. That's radical. That's not our normal MO, right? That's not our default mode, right? Is it for you? Just automatically go to contentment and no matter what's going on? I mean, if it, for, for Paul, Paul had to learn it, and I think that, you know, it's a learned thing. It's a learned thing to be contentment because we focus, it's where we focus. 
It's where we, who we put our eyes on. Is it Jesus in us? Is it his strength? Is it who he is? Or is it, you know, the things around us? Warren Wiersbe said this, that, that it was learned by experience that, that he had to go through many difficult experiences of life in order to learn how to be content. It wasn't just a book, and, you know, we got lots of books out nowadays, and there's books about every subject. We'll just go read the book, How to Be Content in Three Easy Steps. I'm going to learn, read the book, I'm going to learn it, and that's why, usually that's not how we learn, is it? Not that books are bad. I read books all the time. I love reading. My glasses are so thick because I've been reading since I was a you know, young kid. But, but so, so, many off, so many times we learn through experience, right? We go through times of not having, times of having a lot. We really want something. We think we really need it. If I just got that thing... I would, I, would, I would just be so happy. I'd be so content. I'd never want another thing again. Have you ever said that? If I just got that thing, if I got that raise, if I just got that, you know, everything would be fine. I'd be so content. I'd be, man, I'd just be like, and then you get it. You work all your life and then you get it. And you go like, man, I still feel empty. I still feel like it didn't change anything. Wiersbe said this, it's a description of the man whose resources are within him so that he does not have to depend on substitutes outside, but to be sufficient in Christ. In Christ, Paul's joy comes from something deeper, something deeper. He says, whatever the circumstances, whatever is going on around, he says, I've learned to be content. I've learned to be content. It's enough. I have enough. Why? Because I have Christ in me. The truth is, isn't it, that sometimes having more makes it more difficult to be content? You know what I'm saying? You... you, you I, you know, I've, I've been to a lot of different countries, and sometimes I see more contentment on the people that have very, very, very little compared to those who have very, very, very much. Now, that doesn't mean that you, you, you can't be completely discontented having little or completely discontented having a lot, wanting more, more, more. But it seems like the more we have, the more difficult it is to fight that and to learn that. You know, you have a dollar, and you can give a dime, but you have a hundred million dollars, and can you, you know, give 10%? If someone gives you a hundred million dollars, could, you know, could you give 10% of that to God's church, to God's work? We're not going to talk about tithing today, but the principle is, you know, it's okay when you got a little, you can maybe do something. But when you have an awful lot, then what are you going to do? How are you going to deal with it? He says, I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances, having a little, having a lot. 
Look at verse 12. He says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Paul had experienced both, and maybe you have too. Maybe you've been down on the bottom with nothing. And then maybe you've had it where you just had everything you could possibly ever want. And you kind of know what it is like. But Paul says, I've learned the secret of being content. Literally, the word talks about a mystery. I've learned the mystery. And, and to some of us, it's still a mystery. How can I be content with just what I have? The truth is, most of us in America are kind of in the middle. We don't have just a little bit, and we don't have a huge amount, a lot, where most of us are kind of like in the middle class somewhere. Some of you might be millionaires here, and I just don't know it yet. Talk to me afterwards, please. I'll help you with the mystery. But the answer is right here, the power of Christ within him. Someone said that gave him the spiritual contentment. Because in any and every situation, they all change, don't they? But Jesus never changes and he never leaves us. So we got to remember that. Jesus, he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Jesus never changes. Things around us will change. Are you content? Is Jesus enough? Or is it Jesus plus? Well, if I have Jesus plus this, plus that, then maybe that'll be enough. Verse 13, he says, I can do everything. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Now, that's a very familiar verse, isn't it? How many of you are familiar with that verse? You've heard it many, many, many times. I want you to notice something, that this is the context Context means what it's with, the text that it's with. And when we study the Bible, we need to keep things in context, right? We need to know how it fits. And this is the contentment. This is the primary contentment here, context, which is contentment. How many of you really thought about that? You think, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And we kind of apply that to any and every situation in life. Is that valid? It's not the primary context. It is valid to a certain degree. There is a principle there. It is true in other contexts that we can do all things through Christ who will give us His strength. But, but truly, we have to kind of add something to that, that, that it's in things that He's leading us in. You can't just go to every situation and say, I can do this because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And then, and then, But God is not even leading you to do that. You see, taking the verse out of context, you're applying it in a way that is not accurate. But if it's something that God wants you to do, yes, you can, you can claim that verse and say, yeah, I can do this because... I can do all things. I can do what God wants me to do because He's giving me the strength to do it. In 2 Timothy, Paul was going through some serious, serious trials. He says everybody, you know, just kind of abandoned him. 
everybody, you know, turned against him. But he says this, the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed. He says, I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. You see, there was that opportunity. There was that time when he knew that he could do what God called him to do, to keep speaking, to keep doing what God called him to do, because the Lord gave him the strength to do it. But so many times we, 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 we got our own ideas and then we apply this verse out of context. I don't want to say don't ever use that verse anywhere else because I think there are certain circumstances where God is going to say, listen, you can do this and I'll give you the strength to do it. But the context here is being content in any and all circumstances. If you and I could apply that, like we saw in verse 9, whatever you've learned, received, heard from me, seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. If we could apply this and make this true and real in our own lives and, and be content people, we would have people begging us to tell them, why are you so content? Why are you like this? What is different about you? What is going on in your life that, that, you, could, that you could be like that? And it's an it would be an opportunity for us to share that, listen, it's, it's Jesus in me. My, my contentment doesn't come from the things all around me, though, you know, I have to deal with the things in this world. I have to pay the bills. I have to do what I need to do. But my joy and my contentment doesn't come from those things. Contentment. I can be content no matter what through Christ who gives me strength. I want to look at a few verses as we come to the end of this idea. Let's turn first to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. Just before the book of James. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5. This is radical. You know, if you think about what, what, what we're talking about here today and then and look at this verse and, and kind of put the two together. Look what it says in verse 5. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be what? Content with what you have. Why? How? Because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. See? Be content with what you have, not because it's enough stuff, not because, you know, he'll give you more. No, he says, because I will never leave you or forsake you. I am enough, not the stuff. See that? Do you see that connection? You all tracking with me here? Yep. How about uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6? Go back. Few books, First Timothy chapter six. And verse six. But godliness with what? Contentment, Contentment is great gain. 
Godliness with contentment is great gain. Whoa. Godliness with contentment is great gain. That's, that's, getting, that's getting something. It's not, you know, hitting the lottery is great gain. Actually, you know what I think for a lot of people, hitting the lottery is a huge loss because what it does to them. Godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world. We can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich and fall into temptation and, and a trap and in, into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierce themselves with many griefs. What did you have when you came into the world? What are you going to have when you leave this world? You know, the picture of, uh, you know, we've got a little U-Haul tra- uh, trailer, you know, we're going to take that with us into eternity. It's just not going to happen. You came in with nothing, you're going to leave with nothing. It's just you and God and and. and you know, in between those two, you've seen people, you know, they have the, 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 the dot, dot, dots in between. When we enter the world, when we leave the world, what, what's, what's going to fill up those dots, that dash, I meant, I meant to say? What does that dash consist of from the day we're born to the day we die? Is it just about stuff and, and money? Those things actually we have to be very careful about. Godliness with contentment is great gain. A couple more in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 9. Chapter 12 first. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Trying to fix that in my mind. Chapter 12, verse 9. Paul, he had the thorn in the flesh. Things were not going well for him physically. He prayed for the Lord three times to take it away. But the Lord said to him, in verse 9, he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. That word sufficient is the same word in the Greek language as we're talking about content. It's enough. My grace is enough. What I give you is enough, he says to Paul. Despite what your physical body might be going through. My grace is enough. That's why we sang that song. Then, then chapter 9, go back to chapter 9, verse 8. And God is, made, is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every. Good work. The concept is buried in the middle of this verse as well, that it's enough. God's able to make it all abound to you. He is enough. Godliness with contentment. It's great gain. That word in the King James is, is found there, having all sufficiency. Same word. 
sufficient, enough, content, making us content because of who's in us. Someone said these words, you'll never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you've got. So, are you content? And if you are, is it in the right place? Because if it's not, then when things change, you could be in a little bit of trouble. Or are you striving and searching and looking for that peace and that contentment that is only found in one place? You're looking in the wrong places. But if Jesus is in us, he'll give it to us. One more verse there in 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Head one more time. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. This is interesting. Look at this. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. And then he says, do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail to test. Examine yourselves. Jesus Christ in you, the hope of glory. The content that will make us content. Something contained. Something in us. Not the things outside of us. What's in us is going to bring that contentment. Because the statement is true that He is enough. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word and and, uh, just the truths that it contains, truths for us to live by, truths for us to know how to live in this world. And I pray that each one of us would know that truth, that you are enough, and that we'd learn. And maybe some of us have to go through the hard, hard times of life to learn that we can't be content in those things, in the things of this world. Yeah, we need them and we use them, but they don't make us content. It's what's in us. It's the fact that you, Christ in us, is going to bring true contentment. Forgive us, Lord, if we've tried to, to find contentment in so many other avenues and ways, but you are the one that we need. You are the one that will meet every need that we have. We just come before you this morning, Lord. Teach us by your Spirit, Lord, to be content. What it means. The secret, the mystery. Father, I pray too for, for each one of us that, uh, that we would not fail that test of faith. See whether we are in the faith because Jesus is in us. We just read that verse. I pray that each one would hear, know that, that they have passed the test because Jesus is truly in them. They're born again, that Jesus Christ is living in you this morning because of your faith in Him, because you trust in Him, because you have received Him, you have believed in His death upon the cross for your sins, you have turned to Him and asked Him to enter your life and change you forever. That's where contentment is. That's where eternal life is. That's where hope is. 
If that's you this morning, you need to make that step today, then just do it right now. Simply open your heart and life and, and ask him in and say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Please come into my life. Please be my Savior, my Lord, my God. Forgive me of all my sins. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me yours today. And God, for each one of us, we proclaim that you are enough. You are enough. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing that song, Enough.